guys, uh, or folks, or whoever the hell you are. <laughs> Gendered term, Danny. Way to start the fucking podcast, my guy. Man, man. All right, well, I guess I'll keep going, I would Danny. like to believe, and I'm trying to be, like, a proponent of this, and I know I'm not the only one that, like, not, for no. guys to be a gender-neutral yeah. term. And remember, yeah. I used to say ladies and gentlemen, and now, That's you true. know, I, I purposefully altered it to folks to be more inclusive. Understood, understood, uh, And understood. then I used guys today because I am I just That's casually always it. say guys, like, hey, guys. Yeah, I get you know? it, I get it, I get just it. Just a group of, group of Dude, folks, group, no of, group of peeps that, uh, no you know, it's always like that, but... Regardless, hey, <laughs> welcome to the episode of The Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan. He is Mac. Howdy. This is an art review show where we uh, dissect pieces of art, may it be movies, TV shows, etc., etc., sometimes video games or music, and really to, like, learn and uh, become better students of right. art and just I, absorb ideally, this material. you would be learning at the same rate that we are learning. That's the ideal world uh, for this podcast. But we're also insanely self-absorbed. Uh, self True. Uh, we're definitely not self-absolved. Also, and just just know that, I know, just know that uh, like 90% of the takes in this show are prisoner of the moment takes. Yeah. Things that we're feeling because we just viewed it and I, we're feeling very passionate. I think it's also important to say that like parts of this show is modeled after a sports radio show and of course True. like some of our takes are bombastic are ridiculous but and like should always be taken with a grain of salt is isn't that sports radio exactly exactly uh, the, quick, uh, uh oh no please go ahead yeah well I, I was just going to say that if you're viewing this show for the takes that's not that's not what we're here for view the show for the lessons that's well, that's what the show's about I... <laughs> uh, no no not like we're teaching lessons but that we are consuming we are lessons learning and lessons. we are learning exactly okay, okay. go ahead a uh, few uh just like house cleaning up rules whatever uh mac please get out the penalty board <laughs> cleaning up. um so there was uh last i think this was like episode 69 i corrected mac on how to pronounce the name gene cousineau yes most characters on the show pronounce the name as gene cousineau right he pronounced it as gene cousineau i caught him on that and i corrected him and he got a point for it. Uh, the thing was, was that, well, in season three of Barry, which we will review later on. Oh, by the way, we're doing uh, season two of Barry right now. That's what we're reviewing That's what today. we're reviewing. My bad. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I'm sure you read the episode title. Okay. Um, But so the thing was, in season three, Gene Cousineau pronounces his name, his own name, as Gene Cousineau. And so then the, like, the sort of uh, legitimacy of uh, this accusation that I proposed onto Mac uh, was brought into question. Proposed. And so the thing the thing was, was okay, is there another character in the show that pronounces that name as Gene Cousinow prior to season three where both Mac and I would have watched and would have seen? Mm -hmm. Fuchs is a character in this show played by Steven Root, and he pronounces the name Gene Cousinow as Gene Cousinow in the very last episode, or second to last episode, I believe, of season two of Barry. And therefore, because I corrected Mac and I was wrong, I received two penalty points because of this. And Mac is, well, technically his point would be rescinded, but it didn't matter because, anyways right. in the end. Uh, because I will eventually wear a costume. So with that being said, I now have three points. Uh, Mac, 
still has zero at the present moment. So we'll see how this goes. Now, we are going to be reviewing season two of Barry, a wonderful show on HBO that is wonderful. created by Alec Berg and Bill Hader, and it I stars just, Bill Hader. I just got a point. You just smacked the I microphone. Just the mic. oh, well, you God. may as well just add one for yourself. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful show. Barry season two uh, follows the story of Barry, Barry Berkman, who is an assassin uh, turned actor. Or actor turn yes, assassin turned actor, and season two is just a continuation of his story and the continuation of the consequences that he has to face because of his actions in season one. It also has to do with a Sally, played by Sarah Goldberg, and um, her relationship with um, the business that is acting, as well as her past relationship with her uh, abusive boyfriend Sam, as well as uh, Gene Cousineau and. Uh, played by Harry Winkler. Gene. And I believe, did I say his name incorrectly? Because I said Harry Winkler, and I meant Henry Winkler, and I caught myself. Um, you did catch but yourself. But point being, uh, and his relationship with Janice, uh, who is now dead because of Barry, spoiler alert, and overcoming that and trying to spoiler navigate. Spoiler alert. Trying to navigate new relationships in his life and, and deal with grief. And what's really interesting is, I guess, like, Maybe the big key word for this season, right, is grief. Yep. And how do we deal with grief and how do we get past grief and how do we live with grief, right? And, and it's, it's very different things that all these characters um, experience different aspects of, right? Uh-huh. What, what were the parts of the show for you that, um, that you felt led you to this, this season is about grief? What, what were the parts of it, or maybe even what were some ways that you saw that uh, they directed scenes mm -hmm. or that you saw dialogue happen or, or things like that where you were constantly hit over the head with, okay, there, there is a recurring theme here. I understand what, where they're coming from. What, what were the things that led you to the word grief? Well, there's, there's a core sort of like plot point uh, throughout this season where the acting class in Gene Cousineau teaches, right, put on a show where they're essentially like performing and making themselves vulnerable in front of an audience and having their own little snippets about themselves, about like the most like traumatic point in their life or the most like life altering Which event. I, I will say I'm really glad they did because just that idea of like theater troupe of amateur actors all with monologues about like the worst things that ever happened to them. Yeah is a hotbed for comedy like that's that's hilarious yeah because that's that shit would so happen in real life and it would be that uncomfortable well and, and what what makes it funny in this particular case is the like lack of perspective for those characters telling those stories right for a lot of them like they don't realize how ridiculous they are in which i want to get to that i want to get to that but then there there's the like one moment and it's so brief and i didn't really catch it on my first watch and this is both you and i's our second watch yes of this particular season where towards the end you have the one character uh jermaine right who's a pretty minor character played by uh daryl Britt gibson and his little like grief segment is about his dad being taken by aliens is what his mom told him which is right. just absurd which is just absolutely absurd absolutely. but it's super duper real to him right and it's both 
it's this wonderful line that the entire show walks that's both really funny and just really sad. Yeah. And so he's having that experience. And doesn't he at the end like make some beautiful some beautiful monologue about him? So he does that piece and yeah. his mom told him that, yeah, he was abducted by aliens and then years later he just saw him outside of like a gas station, his dad, asking for money. Yeah. And it's just like a really sad, poignant yeah moment for him but it was led by such a massive amount of honesty and it's once again this beautiful thing that this right. show sort of leads itself on is that even though it's hilarious moments and even though it's absolutely ridiculous moments but sometimes absolutely ridiculous dialogue ridiculous characters right these these characters are much 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 larger than life for sure but yet also writing that line of, okay, but what is the honesty for right. these characters? Yeah, you know? I, I think that that is something that is oftentimes flipped and inappropriate, inappropriately so in comedy is that you often see, you know, um, you often see like an honest moment or an honest looking moment that ends with a joke. And it's like it's honesty that's actually like very very secretly rooted and founded in ridiculousness. Yeah. And Barry does a genius job of flipping that. And instead of it being an honest moment, honest moment, honest moment, breaking of expectations to make you laugh at the end, it is ridiculousness, ridiculousness, ridiculousness at the very end revealing itself as honesty. And I think that that is so genius or even just honesty just interwoven into it like sure. a, a, a very easy example right and it's a pretty tame example but i think it's still a good example is uh barry tells a particular story to gene right about the time that he barry killed an uh innocent person in afghanistan i believe is the country that he was deployed in when he was in the military and barry killed an innocent person and got away with it and and he shares this story in a moment of vulnerability to like kind of uh, in, a, in a sort of confession sort of way. Right. Yeah. That this this Catholic idea of like cleansing the soul because you have, you know, put this, you know, the story into the universe of this awful thing that you did in order to like absolve yourself from from the sin of committing it. And it doesn't. For, and, and well, and in in pursuit of forgiveness. Right. And that's exactly what he does. But, of course, this is shocking to Gene because Barry killed a man and got away with it, not knowing that Barry's also an assassin. But Barry killed a man and got away with it. Yeah. And there are, like, yeah. five different times that Gene, like, tells Barry in private. It's like, yeah, Barry, do what you need to do. I mean, like, yeah, for the love of God, don't tell this story because, after all, you killed a man and got away with it. And right. it's, like, it's very funny because it's the repetition and it's the shock that Gene experiences but it's very very honest to him because it's like holy shit like oh my god it's 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 how can he can't even fathom it right and so it's such an outlandish idea for gene so he just ends up repeating it over and over again right. but that's what makes it so funny because he just can't believe it right it's 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 a small thing like facts that, be that beautiful dramatic irony that, that we all yeah. know and love um yeah, yeah I, I feel like if there was uh in most other shows, the, the like like a like a common uh, plot line would look like, um, you know, see, like you saw someone um, e experiencing something like in some dramatic way, 
and uh and and they were like really invested in in some moment right and right. then at the very end like it, you pan out and it's actually something ridiculous and to see this do the exact opposite i think is 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 really really clever but something that you were saying earlier um about the uh it not being ridiculous to the people in the moment yeah i think is something that is very new it's not something that is that has happened a whole lot. It's not common for it, sure. Yeah, it's definitely not common. But I really hope that it's starting to become more mainstream because yeah. it is very, very clever, which is the um, highlighting the ridiculous of, ri- ridiculousness of something by making it completely normal looking. Yeah. Um, and that's what leads this show to be a sort of dark comedy. And, like, I'm sure if you ask... Bill Hader and Alec Berg, like, they're just going to say, no, this is a story first. And in some ways, like, the story of the show sort of, like, I discredit the writers a lot by by what I'm about to say. But, like, it sort of, like, writes itself, I guess. Sure. But, like, focusing on, like, what these characters will do, and that's when the funny comes. Right. Uh, Even if, like, some of the shit they do is, like, really freaking dark. Like, the fact of... Uh, at the very end, right, you have uh, Hank hiding from Barry because Barry is shooting up the monastery. It's it's right. That still manages to be a funny moment, but it's a very honest moment for that character, for that character's experience. And right. it is something that I would like to see further explored by other shows that dabble in comedy. Right. Well, I, th- I think that part of the thing that makes it so clever is the fact that all of these insane moments – are not it's not like you're taken out of the drama of the series because this never. is a, this is a drama I would say yes um you're never taken out of the drama of it and I think that's what makes it maybe even funnier is the fact that all of these funny concepts are shot with such stark and brutal honesty like you're talking about that there's uh that that's honestly what makes it even even funnier is yeah. is the, is the fact that it means so much to these people. Like, for instance, the alien thing, funny concept, and it's made even more interesting by the fact that, like, like in a deadly serious way, he actually really truly believes that yeah. to his core. Um, and, and there's and, not and a not... there's not a moment as an audience member where you're like, oh, this is a this is just a joke. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I think another thing that that makes the entire series, not just the season, the entire series, so awesome. Is and I'm give my gold medal here. Get, oh, get ready. Okay. Um, is the sound design? Um, Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. If, if you could look up an, a name, that'd be awesome. Sorry, sure. I, I don't name. really have one. Give me a name. Um, that uh, the sound design of the show is deceptively uh important in that I think that this sound design has a lot more to do with its tone than than meets the eye or meets the ear, I suppose. Um, and. I think that the tone of this show is one of the things that makes it so special and so unique um, in comparison to everything else being made or that has been made so far. Uh, the the people, the two individuals that are the most responsible for sound uh, design, uh, for the most part, uh, is both Rickley W. Dumb and Sean Hessinger, uh, who uh, worked on every episode, including uh, season three. Okay, sweet, well. sweet. So, but but they have a big hand. I, I like they have pretty long descriptions as to their responsibilities. Okay. Uh, it looks like Rickley W. Dumb is the 
official sound designer, but I imagine this this pot has a lot of hands. Right. In it. Right. Well, it, it it seems so because not just the choices, but the like specific moment to moment editing is really interesting because I think that the music as well as like the specific sound effects and what you're hearing and what you're not hearing at any given moment, they, they do it in such a specifically stylized way in terms mm -hmm. of like all of the sound design. If you were to like not even pay attention to the words they were saying and just listen to the sounds, yeah, it would tell you that it is either at any given moment, either a thriller or an action movie. They really only use sounds that are action or thriller based. Yeah. Um, and a lot of their music as well, other than maybe like like the theme song or like the intro song or whatever. Like the just that bombastic, thing. yeah. I love that, by the way. Oh, I'm in love with that. I it it always so breaks bad. the tension. It's, it's and then so smart. when that bombastic brass sound is not there, then it's like, oh shit, there is a lot of tension right now. Like right. so much so that the intro couldn't be there to break it. But it also, like, because of the brass and because of, like, the melody they choose, um, it's almost not, like, James Bond-esque, but it, it's very action movie-esque. Yeah. In that it gives you this, like, wonder and adventure feeling that you get from watching, like, a summer blockbuster action yeah. movie, which is so smart. But anyways, the, the, yeah, the fact that they keep rooting all of this music and these sound effect choices in action and thriller is like usually like what makes all the tension of the show. I remember very few shows where I was this stressed the whole time. Mm -hmm. It really takes me back to, um, and I know this is like not really a Barry type show, Breaking Bad. Whenever I watched Breaking Bad, I binged it. Binged yeah. the first three seasons all at once. Yeah. I was a teenager. And I had to stop watching the show because I started getting like really panicky. Like my chest was tight all the time and like I couldn't like operate and i remember i was binging it like over a week or something so like by like the fourth or fifth day i'd be like eating dinner with my family and they were like are you okay and i'm like i don't think i am and they're like <laughs> you need to stop watching the show because it made me really stressed because yeah. of a lot a, a, largely due to the sound design yeah and this put me in a kind of similar spot where i've had to pace myself intentionally because watching it like too fast does really stress me out. Yeah. The show does a great job at that, and I think that has a lot to do with the sound. And that, I mean, that right there, I would say, speaks to the master class that is this show in its entirety, where, like, yeah. I'm not sure whether or not Barry or Breaking Bad, like, which show is a better show, but what I will tell you is that, like, Breaking Bad is, I'm excuse me, Barry is a much funnier show yeah. than Breaking Bad. Yeah. But I would say, in terms of tension, that I would say Breaking Bad has just as much tension. I oh, excuse so. me. Barry has, you know what I'm trying to say. They both have equal amounts of tension. Yes. And which, which is more impressive because, like, Barry is only 30-minute episodes. That. And... Eight episode seasons, that, while absolutely. Uh, Breaking Bad time. is something like twelve episodes, hour long each. Right. So it's like in terms of runtime and in terms of the time that it takes to tell the story, it's impressive that Barry manages to be that efficient. Right. Essentially, I will also want to speak on really fast on the sound design aspect. Yeah. That uh, you're totally right when the music is definitely like. In a, in a way, in the first season, a little bit wackier, a little bit more mellowed out, yeah. but it plays more to the experience that is Barry of being an assassin and becoming an actor and definitely speaking to, like, the brassy yeah. big band of the intro, like, the 10-second the jingle. Right. Of, like, giving you the expectation that this is a 
different show and it actually plays really really well into the blend of that is the entire story and what was something that was really interesting is that in the very end of the second season and i didn't realize that necessarily this uh music was missing but there was like a constant motif of like a pretty mellow piano that happens throughout the first season that just kind of like plays throughout oh. the show at the end of the second season where when the cops find the chechen pin that is in the trunk that has Janice's body. Yeah. It has that mellow, you know, tune, that motif that uh, consistently played in the first season. And once I heard that, I'm like, oh, shit, I, I don't think I heard that at all during yeah. this season. And so it oh, kind of reminded me of like, ah, Barry's back on that bullshit of just barely getting away. Right. With something. But I, I think what was so clever is that they kept programming us to, in the first season, be a little stressed. And then the stress would be released by that piano. Super easily. And like like that that piano was the subconscious sign to release yeah. to oh everything's okay relax. Barry got and away with stuff pretty dang easily in the first season. Yeah, and because they did not in the second season uh, play that until the very end, like what you're saying, I I I will say I had the experience of I never felt relaxed yeah. or released until they played that. Until and, the very end. and part of that is silence during like some intense scenes yeah. right like it's it's a very specific choice like i don't remember a uh music of any sort being played when sally is in the hotel room with sam yeah uh, her abusive ex-boyfriend yeah and then sally opens the door to leave and then neither sam nor sally see barry who's right outside the door with a gun about to shoot Sam, and then he's very sees and notices that, oh, shit, Sally is there as well. And that's, like, an immensely tense scene that happens yep. because it's this beautiful oh, story so good. Yeah. arc of, like, Barry battling his demons and the sort of antithesis of, like, trying to free himself from those demons, but he can't. He can't live without them in a sort of way that, like, once again, he is brought to his acting work. And a big part of his, like, acting story in this season is developing a deeper relationship with his, like, violent past, right? Mm -hmm. With the fact of him uh, shooting uh, the three, uh, <laughs> as they call them, sheep fuckers in yeah. the distance, right? That was Barry's the best day of his life. But and but you can tell like when he's trying to write that story to present to the class that he wants to get away from that story because he feels deeply shameful about it, even though that is the best day of his life. That in one scene when he performs, I believe this is episode shit, this may be episode seven, when he performs uh the scene with Sally when Sally uh yeah, I think so, yeah. has to unfortunately experienced the awfulness that was her ex-boyfriend uh and and barry is portraying the ex-boyfriend barry calls back right essentially in a way yeah calls back uses not necessarily substitution uh to when he killed janice right yeah. it's it's this like relationship that's like festering and festering with his past that i think like this season does really well that even though like Barry's not necessarily doing assassin jobs yeah. in this. He just cannot escape yeah. his past, and it comes up in very different ways well, for him. And it's super funny that they use uh, acting as a form of therapy in that, like, we both know that's very common. A lot of people do yeah. that, and it is super inappropriate and not helpful to anyone, yeah. uh, like, most of the time. But it's funny that they 
are able to, for the purposes of the show, use their acting and their acting classes as therapy while simultaneously showing how it's dumb and funny and a bad idea. Yeah. Like, the, like it's, it's really smart. That they're able to use both at the same time. Um, but yes, the, uh, the other thing that I was, that I was thinking about as, as you were talking is the idea that um, it's, it's earned silence. It's not yeah. just silence for the sake of being silent. It, no, yeah. They really earn it by doing this. Like in, in the first season, they play music in all of those tense moments or at the end of the tense moments to tell you to release. Right. And I think what's so clever about all these tense moments in the second season that you're talking about without music is that they've trained us to expect the music. So whenever the music is not there, it it hits way harder. Yeah. And if from the, if from season one they did not play the music, I don't think that would have been as effective. I think that there was a lot of things because with season one there were quite a few critiques that we had overall, and especially in terms of just like genre and style and things like that that now i'm starting to see in season two were very intentional um and and it, it was yeah i i guess i i it, this was another classic case of i loved season one yeah but i don't think i gave it enough credit like of how uh, how much they actually how much heavy lifting they actually did in season one yeah you know I, mean? I mean well i and i guess yeah they do that heavy lifting per se in season one right they create that structure so they can really hit a stride in the second season and like break free from that structure right that they created that the, that the structure is that barry is learning lessons through the acting class and it's like okay that's the structure so like we can grow barry as a character and now Barry has to deal with the consequences around him. And the other characters have to deal with the consequences that Barry put in front of them as well. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing that I think the second season advocates. I would still say, though, that I, I prefer the second season over the first season. Yeah, but for yeah, sure, absolutely. we wouldn't have the second season without the first yeah, season. Yeah, I, I think it, it's because it is, it's, it's Avengers Endgame. It is... It's capitalizing. It's Why capitalizing we, on we what's already there. We keep liking. We keep wanting to bring up like I Avengers know, movies, but it's they're just very the, the simplest. They're the simplest that's example. The thing. It's like they're just the most obvious and like, you know, it's it's like whenever you're in class or like whenever you're teaching stuff, you always have to try and find examples that all the kids know. So you like you go to Disney and you're like, okay, let's use Shrek or Frozen or some crap like that. I know yeah. that Shrek is yeah, Shrek is dated. I know. Buddy. I, yeah, wow, let's go. You're, you're showing your age. Oh jeez. Um. But I, I can bring those up, and most of the kids will know it, you know. Sure. Whereas, yeah, I, I feel like just the the average viewer will will know Avengers. But the thing with Endgame is that you get to Endgame, and again, don't want to discredit the work of the writers, but at the same time, it's it's really just like capitalizing on everything that's already been done. Like the 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 heavy lifting, the difficult tasks have already have already been completed. You're really just like closing out a lot of. Uh, loose ends you know yeah and and yeah and season two although it's not closing these loose ends it's definitely playing on all this stuff that like we were talking about has already been set up yeah really really well in the first season yeah and and a show that wants to be safe right like wouldn't explore the loose ends of sally at the end of season one saying that she was in a an abusive relationship or even opening that door right and janice being killed at the end of season one and Gene having to deal with the grief of that and trying to like live his life outside of that and then realizing like what what should I value in this life that I'm living and I think it's this still beautiful thing where these 
Primarily, it's 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 Sally and Jean, right, that are also getting wonderful, wonderful bits of development that the show isn't just about Barry himself, but the show is about what Barry has done to these people. Yeah. And I think it's it's an absolute treat to watch in its entirety. When we come back, we are uh, going to discuss my potential sizzle serve and uh well we'll just we're just gonna see where it takes us we're my just friend gonna see we're just gonna see all right and welcome back danio we left off with you kind of teasing us uh with your sizzle serve so since we're back from break give it to us man what's the serve i think this episode is the best episode in this show so far it is episode five of season two the episode is titled ronnie slash lily it is the very strange episode yeah where barry and fuchs are sent off to kill Ronnie Proxen. Yeah. A short story about Ronnie Proxen. He is having sex with uh, Detective Loach's wife, and Detective Loach knows that Barry killed uh, Janice, Detective yeah. uh, Janice Moss. And so is essentially using that as leverage. And it's this entire, like, one-off episode where it's a lot of, like, uh, one-shots, right? Yeah. Very slow pans as well. And just like pretty pretty slow in that regard but yeah and so essentially barry finds out that ronnie is a taekwondo master and once uh you know barry breaks ronnie's windpipe because even though like barry was trying to convince ronnie to just leave but ronnie of course tries to defend himself oh, yeah. of course the taekwondo ma master um <laughs> um all of a sudden ronnie's daughter comes home and Ronnie's daughter is named Lily. Oh, yeah. And Lily all of a sudden becomes is... an actual monster. Yes. And out of nowhere, right? Like, this <laughs> this series had no precedent for this episode. Yeah. It is the absolute most what the fuck episode. Because it, you it's expect so it out of nowhere. Though. And then all of a sudden, the show becomes a borderline horror film. Yes. Where, where you have... <laughs> But it's really funny. <laughs> because it's really funny because then also, like, the, what they do is that they use wires on the kids. So it kind of looks like she's, like, doing these really long jumps. But you can tell that they're using wires because it just – it doesn't look authentic oh God, for a human. Yeah. And so it looks very unhuman. What but was actually, that episode? Oh, my it God. It adds to the effect of the absolute insanity. And then at one point, right, she jumps onto the car, the SUV yeah, that Fuchs and yeah. Barry is in. Yeah. She climbs in without their knowing, and then she grabs onto Fuchs's cheek with her teeth yep. and just stays there. And Bear and, and Fuchs <laughs> is like, please just shoot her, Barry. Just kill her. And, and Barry's like, I can't do that, man. And then Fuchs is like, just do it. And then she rips off Fuchs's cheek, and yep. he's screaming in absolute terror. <laughs> she jumps out of the car. She runs in front of the car. She's just in the headlights in the darkness, and she... In like the most like terrifying like a windigo she she screeches a into night. what's a windigo it's like a, like a chupacabra she like yeah. with blood dripping down her face and then Fuchs is just yelling what are you it is absolutely and that's hilarious. your number one that's your number that's one that's my number one episode because I remember mm. the first time watching this episode I'm like what the hell did I just watch? I definitely remember it being the quickest episode in what way in, in that. That storyline happened, and I really thought that, that was going to be just, like, a small segment of the episode. 
and then the episode was over and i was like holy was that the whole episode that was so fast Be- yeah. and i think it was partially because i was laughing so hard like that was definitely one of the funniest episodes i would i would have to say but and that and that is one of the episodes where i would say it actually kind of gets into the darker ends of it yeah right? yeah and particularly in terms of tone and like how it's shot that it's not like a bright funny comical episode in the traditional sense of yeah, comedy no, 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 right no, no. it's just the this these absurd things that are happening and it's like what we said in the first part that that it's real to these characters that it's happening to it's but definitely for a us dark comedy yes and for us as the observer like this is so absurd it's hilarious but what they're experiencing is completely traumatic yeah yeah well i i I think that uh it's the 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 funny parts are not they're not punchline funny they're not like this is where you're supposed to laugh it's more like this thing is happening and it's so ridiculous but it's being shot and dealt with by these actors and characters as something that is totally normal and possible. Yes. And I think that's, again, that's where the funny comes from. It's yeah. it's not that, like, you know, it's her ripping his cheek off. For some people, is funny. For other people, isn't funny. But in my mind, like, that's not the funniest part. The funniest part for me is, like, the fact that she bites his cheek in the first place is yeah. funny. Or, like, her, probably the hardest that I laughed, I think, was her like the image of her jumping from like from the tree from the roof like like a superhero jump that was just like so so fictional but it was dealt with in such a real and honest way that like that killed me like how are we not acknowledging the fact that all of a sudden the the rules of this world are not real broken right and now there is just like superheroes in this world it's so funny and that the show like all of a sudden really dips its toe when i say dips its toe i mean like sticks the whole damn foot into yeah. like this like surrealist or absurdist magical realism yes, yes, of yes. like all of a sudden what this show becomes and what's nice that- is that it's i will say a little bit it's not the last time the show does this Oh really? It, well, dips its toe into magical realism, sort of thing that like oh, that's actually pays off. Where where what it's done is that like it's not a sort of like trope or like a mechanic per se or a gimmick right. of the entire show, but like it will pull it pull it out for storytelling purposes. And the the show writers do, don't limit themselves, right? Alec Berg and Bill Hader don't limit themselves to the rules that are reality, right? They give themselves permission in order to create this effective story. Well, I think what's so awesome is that because they have rooted themselves so well and because they have really established such a – I hate hate to use the word grounded, but like such a um, like foundation as Barry and he's just so nonchalant and so calm and so – realistic in calm, his responses. But well, right, right, but, but like mellow. Mellow in, in depressed, his I would also probably say. Tr- right. But suffering like, from some PTSD. But in like whenever he, he a lot of his responses are more silent or quiet than they are. He's much more that character. I think that they've done such a good job earning this absurdity. Yes. They earned this episode. They earned this episode and they've earned a lot more, which is honestly maybe one of the things that I was most shocked about in terms of season two is like I think that they could have pushed the ballot a lot more and I would have stayed with them. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that in season three they they do because, yeah, I I, I think that they have earned. Uh, oh, like taking quite risks a lot in terms of like direction and yeah. and and story. Right. Well, I mean, like for instance, we like the mo- one of the most recent examples we were talking about was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Right. Huh. Is that the show or, or the movie doesn't start off with just like hitting you in the face with absurdity. It's more like it lays a really decent and relatable foundation for you. And then like it slowly starts pushing the pedal yeah. and like revs itself up until by the end, it's just like smacking over the head with all this absurdity. And, and I feel like Barry has earned, not the same way, obviously, but no, because Barry doesn't like necessarily ease on the pedal. Like it's all of a sudden like, yeah, we're going you're at five this miles speed an hour and like and you're comfortable at this speed, right? Like we've been comfortable at this speed for a long time. Okay. And now we're going to really push it. Right. And I think it's earned more of those moments than it's giving itself credit for. Yeah. I think that that might be the one thing that's holding back season two that I'm interested to see what they do in season three is that I think they have earned more than they are willing to accept or willing to admit. So you would like more episodes akin to Ronnie slash Lily? Um, Stylistically, perhaps. Right. Maybe not like in I terms think, of pacing think... because like the entire episode is just this like one quasi-contained story where – Barry is trying to kill Ronnie, and he, he isn't trying to kill Ronnie, but it's like it's that altercation with Ronnie, right? And and in turn, Ronnie's daughter. Sure, and and I think that it, you know, I think they can do a better job of advancing plot and things like that. But at the same time, I think yeah, I, I think that they have definitely earned a lot, um, a lot more uh, magical realism, like you were talking about, a lot more. Um, fantasy or or even just like a more abstract way of exploring these really difficult mental health concepts that they try to explore. Yeah. I think they've earned more of that than they're willing to give themselves uh, permission for. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think so. I think so. But like even then, I'm not sure if I would change anything in season two. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. I, which is again, wh- why I'm, it's it's not as much a I would change season two. It's more of a I really hope that they acknowledge that in season three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which we'll get to. We'll get to. But before that, Danny, um, we need to have a little roll call. Yeah. A little roll call. We, we did this. We did this with uh the first season of Barry. It just right. to like sort of like quick analysis of like individual characters' development right. and or performances given by their respective. Absolutely actors uh this is a beautiful ensemble show no doubt and uh and i think that this is a very nice and succinct way of just like running down the list it's very organized it, it feels good it feels yeah. good to do this oh, yeah so i'm just gonna start running down yeah and you tell me how you feel okay sweet uh bill haters barry bergman i think there's like a wonderful amount of like growth and like still once again playing into like the dealing with grief and how do we navigate with this grief grief and how we talked about it in the first season as well of like um dealing with consequences and i think that is very well explored in this season as well and i think what was really nice and first of all bill Hader, without a doubt does a great job that go i mean that doesn't go without saying but that goes without saying yes yes <laughs> it, I, yeah that goes without saying but it has to be said uh, but what what I will say is that one 
one development that I think is really good for this season is that Barry becomes his own sort of Fuchs, his own sort of mentor to uh, other people, primarily the uh, Chechen army that Hank is trying to create. And, like, you have Mayor Beck, who is, like, the prodigy, right, essentially. And Mayor Beck looks up to Barry the same way Barry used to look up to Fuchs. And I think that's a wonderful thing that, Barry has to deal with yeah. it's putting it's a smart way of putting your character in that particular scenario where they have to deal with the consequences of that particular action as yes. well as like he has to deal with the consequences of killing Janice and but still trying to maintain a relationship with Gene you know he has to deal with the consequence consequences of he's a very violent person yeah and Sally is still in some ways dealing with the violent shit from her ex-boyfriend from years past yeah right right it's it's a wonderful place to put that character and Bill Hader does a really good job of well, just like and and what's really cool is that like not cool but that character is lonely yeah you know and and yeah. and Hader just nails it to upteenth degree and like when he's angry it's absolutely terrifying which is yeah. nice well and also he does such a good job of writing to his strengths yeah you know what i mean uh bill Hader, i think something that he talked about for season one of barry um way back when is that it is it's really rooted in uh a, a lot of bill Haderisms because um, he's always been this like comedy character actor type guy, and he got to a point where he was like, "I, that, that's not really me." And like people expect me to be this like super happy, fun loving, like sociable guy. Yeah. But that's not really what I am. I'm I'm a very anxious person, you know. And and so it's it's good that he wrote himself a character that, um, him and Alec Berg both wrote this character that I, I think really lies in his strengths and. I think very well deserved earned for both season one and season two best leading actor in a series of the Emmys. Um, sure, yeah. I I think b both very very earned. Yeah. Um, Stephen Roots Fuchs. I, I he's still on the same slimy bullshit, but I love the exploration of how much Fuchs cares about Barry. Yeah. And then the moment, but. It, it, What's really nice is that, once again, I say I'm really nice about something that's really sad and um, disappointing uh, in terms of, like, emotion. Uh, but when Barry is just straight up like, fuck off, I'm done with you, and just cursing him to hell, essentially, how Fuchs immediately, like, tries to do his own thing and, and tries to yeah. ruin Barry, right? Yeah. And it goes to show how much Barry didn't care. Uh, excuse me, how much Fuchs didn't care about Barry. And it's a it's a beautiful sort of, like, arc that he goes on. Right. That, like, it does make you question, does Fuchs actually care about Barry at all? And I think in some degrees, yes. In some degrees, absolutely not. Right. And, and Stephen Root is such a wonderful character actor and just really breathes through his lines. And we talked about it in the first season. We talked season. a lot about his, yeah. Uh, and how he listens to the other person's response while he's speaking and it's like this like it's as if he's trying to dis disarm a bomb every single line which he is he yeah, is he is the um that's the essentially the objective for almost all of his scenes it's like yeah. disarming a bomb right well another thing that um uh i think is very interesting about the way that they set the show up is that all of the killers all of the gang members all of the the assassins all the anyone that's in the show that's supposed to be this like super badass like 
you know, crime evil person or whatever. Yeah. All of those people are all acting out of love. Yeah. Every one of them is acting out of passion and love. And all these people that pride themselves on passion and love and empathy, all the actors, all are not. For the, for pretty much the most part, except for um, Gene Cousinow, who – the Cousinow, Cousinow, whatever um, – who uh, once he starts having these feelings for Janice and once he actually starts getting that love that he's always kind of wanted – he starts like backing away more and more from the from 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 the class and from acting and then once he has had full heartbreak like pretty much decides to leave and then uh. of course you know he he comes back and, and we'll see what happens there but i just think it's very interesting that like they they do that swap of like all of the crazy people that are doing awful crimes are doing these crimes out like from a place of love like esther is you know is Mad uh-huh. and like ready to kill Noho Hank, yeah, because she has this connection with Cristobal by the end, right? Or like, would we say? I mean, it looks more like a business relationship and maybe like a camaraderie oh, of sorts. I think she's jealous. Did well, of course she's face? jealous. Yes, of course she's jealous. But like, I don't. I think you're overselling it. Is what uh, I'm trying to say. But, but we can agree that Noho Hank and Cristobal have a, a serious connection. Yes. Uh, like, I mean, we, we saw that leg rise up when uh, oh, Cristobal's we saw leg, the leg rise, rise up. up. Yeah. 100%. When they were hugging. Um, yeah. Big time. Um, trying to wrap the whole body around him like a spider monkey. That Barry has found this love that he's like fighting for now, right? Yeah. Um, and like Gene Cousineau has become the mentor that like Barry has always been seeking and trying to seek the love that's there even though yeah. he killed her, his lover. Yeah. Right. And then, and and again, like you said, you can make the debate that even though, like, it's it's a debate, it's not fact, but it's a debate that Fuchs is um, doing a lot of what he's doing because he cares for Barry. Yeah, um, that, that's possible. Like he's like, I'm sorry, Barry, but you cannot live this life. And, like, this and, is not uh, your and, life. And that's what Gene does too. And it, they're wonderful foils to one another. And oh, yet, at the same token, right? They're probably the most narcissistic people in this show. Yes. The most, the most self-absorbed. Yes, they. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody that they love in this universe more than uh, their reflection. Fair, fair. Yeah, for yeah. those characters. Yeah, and, and they but, both yeah, love Barry in their the own ways. That, exactly. And both like, yeah. Do you, yeah, do you yeah. think that's? Do you think that's us getting a, a small peek at either Bill Hader's or Alec Burke's psyche? That might be a. That might be a. a the exploration uh, of narcissism and love, or what? Do you uh, mean? No, the exploration of uh, role models or um, father figures, like caring more about themselves than about the person that they're raising. Maybe I mean maybe that's just a theme that they wanted to explore. I'm, it's a I'm, really interesting one. I love it. Yeah, and I well, and I think it's a theme that works really well in the construction that is this show. Yeah. Yeah. Now on this exploration of love that we're talking about, um, Sarah Goldberg's Sally Reed. Gold medal. Gold medal. Uh, I, I okay, just, okay, I okay. love the journey that Sally goes on throughout this entire season. That yeah. it's kind of like split twofold, right? Where I you just... have the first part dealing with Sam, her ex boyfriend, and then you have the second part, like like half of it is dealing with her ex, and then the other half is dealing with like the demands of the acting industry. And it's it's what it is is that. I, I enjoy watching characters that are forced to do something, 
right? Uh, that that you have these other forces, these other characters imposing their will upon them. Yep. And then you have this character desperately trying to like break free from that in in what mm. they know how. And like Sally is a beautiful character. It's a wonderful character. One of my favorite characters in this show uh, after watching it again and again and again at this point. Um, but like how she and, and and how she just tries to break through from those clutches of other people. Right. Um, I will say, though, that watching this from the perspective of people that are in the entertainment industry. Yeah. It apparently did not even think about this is a very different experience than people that are not. Um, I, did, I did not really know that or think about that until. uh until I talked to my family about it. Yeah. My family, they watched the show and we started talking about it, right? And all of them were like, oh, I hate Sally. Like, Sally's just so annoying. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, but there's a reason for all that. Like, you know, like, she she really does have to, have to like, play the game and meet with her agent. Yeah. And, like, if she wants that career, like, that is what she has to do and everything. Yeah. And they're like... And, and having okay, the constant then... battle with herself of, like, how to be honest with myself and with... The right. people around me. Right. And the, Another they're theme. like, okay, Jesus. then she shouldn't be, like, stringing Barry along for that ride because it's, like, super irresponsible and it's just, like, playing with Barry. And I'm like, no, she really cares for him. Yeah. And they're like, she clearly doesn't or else she would, like, give this – give a, give a well, little so, bit like, of leeway. But, like, everybody – okay, fine. Like, I, I brought up that, like, uh, 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 Fuchs and Gene are probably the most narcissistic people in this show, but like that that doesn't necessarily mean nobody else is narcissistic. Yeah, yeah, true. true. I would argue Sally absolutely narcissistic, absolutely. and Barry absolutely, absolutely narcissistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but I think that that that's more of an arc for Barry. He hasn't always been, you know. Like I think that that's something that that has grown over time. Is is this like? There's not really a way of him doing what he wants to do without being narcissistic. Um, that, like, really one of his first selfish decisions in the show is continuing to take the class. Like, that, that's, you know what I mean? And, like, it's just kind of grown from there because he, cause he kind of has and, to. But, and then, but then it leads to bigger and bigger actions, yeah. which, like, for example, killing Janice. I was about to say, killing right? Janice is nothing but selfish. I mean, oh, man, there was this one moment. And not being honest about, like, his experiences and, like, being honest uh -huh. about the things that he's done. There was this one moment in episode one that – that was, I think, one of the most telling moments for Barry is uh, – Well said. Sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, whenever they're talking about, um, like, canceling the show, right, like that they were going to put on in season – or episode one they eventually put on in at, at the very end, that uh, whenever they're not going to put on the show and Barry's super mad because he's like – I think he actually says under his breath at one point, like, then what was it for? What was the point? Then what was the point exactly of like of killing Janice and because it's like I killed Janice so that I could continue doing this and now we're not going to do You're it. You're so what the right. Hell? I didn't read into that subtext. Well, because I was I was intrigued by that line, but like yeah. I of course I was still trying to watch the rest of the show, so yeah, I fair, just fair. forgot it, about it. Eventually. It goes really like low under the radar, but I think that that's the first moment of like that's a that's a really f***ed up thing to say, Barry. Um, let's uh, so, we, we just due to time. Let's move on. Anthony Kerrigan's no Hank. Uh, wonderful, uh, his monologue that he delivers at the end of the first or the second episode is stellar when oh. he's just standing outside the car and he's essentially like, don't f with me, Barry. So good. Is, I think that's the first episode. Is immaculate. And I remember the first time I watched that, I was glued yes. to the screen. 
uh, because it was both like in Noho Hank's own way, but it yeah. was also this rich amount of honesty that was being brought and like mm. how high the stakes were for Noho Hank and how high the stakes he had to make it for Barry. And I right. thought Anthony Kerrigan met that level immaculately while still bringing that sort of charm that Noho Hank has well, throughout the rest of the series. I think what's so genius about Anthony Kerrigan's take on Noho Hank is that uh, whenever he is, whenever he's getting scary, and whenever he's getting in someone's face, and especially in that monologue, it's not coming from a scary place. Like it's coming from a place of hurt. Like he is scary, but he's scary because because he's being led by his emotions and not by like his decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that like whenever he's talking and he's like, you know, like don't f with me. Like, am I still an idiot now? Um, it's not. It's not uh, coming from a place of, like, I'm trying to scare you. It's coming from a place of, like, you hurt my feelings. Yeah. And and not in, like, a funny comedy way in, like, a you actually hurt my feelings yeah. like, very badly. Like, I really – Like, you, you. miss – and also you That's misunderstand so the relationship yeah. that we have. Like, it, it's simultaneously, like, funny for a second, but, like, it's just heart – it's so good. Yeah. It's so yeah. smart. Yeah, I love – I love Noho Hank so much. And I love that monologue, and it's a treat every time I watch it. I, well. I would go as far as to say – and I don't think this is a civil I don't – I think I need to preface this at all. I think that he's one of the best characters on television today. Noho Hank. You think oh, it's a social man. serve? I don't know. I, I, I'm having trouble. I just – I don't watch that much television anymore. How about this? By Barry season three. Okay. Show up to that episode with a retort. If you could, if you could come in giving me three or four characters on TV that are better. Now? You can, you can research as much as you – yes, that are, that are on television being made right now. It's probably – I mean, I don't know. Saul Goodman probably – from Better Call Saul, maybe, but I'm not watching that show. You're shaking your head, but we're not watching that show, okay. so you can't say definitively. Okay, okay, you're right. We'll talk about it. So, um, Henry Winkler's uh, Gene Cousineau. Uh, fantastic, and just yes. that navigation of like the, the denial of grief, but also the dealing with grief as well, and just the silence that like Gene Cousineau like, about to say. has in moments. It's just it's, immaculate. I think it's genius that whenever they're talking about stress coming from these like fight-or-flight people— it's really, really interesting to uh, – I've always – like whenever I've experienced stress like that or panic like that, it's always led me to numbness. Like I'm still acting. I'm still moving and I'm still doing things. But like inside, I just feel like this like empty. Like I can't deal with it yet and it's like I'm just pushing it down. Yeah. This numbness that I've never quite seen as beautifully and – Perfectly, Potently. yes, yeah. yeah I've, I've never seen it done. Oh, it's two minute warning. Folks. We're in the two minute warning. Two minute warning. Watch out. Um, I've never seen it as as well as Henry Winkler's Gene Cousineau. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I think that I I I'm not really sure if I want to get into many of the uh many of the smaller smaller characters. I think that uh yeah yeah yeah. May may I say may I say like. I think Henry Winkler is my favorite actor in the show. Sally is my favorite character in the show. Okay, I yeah. love watching them work and explore and all of that. Uh, I want to give quick new segment. That's right. Really, really fast. Uh, best new addition. We're going to call it the free agent pickup. Free agent pickup. Uh, is the character of Lindsay, played by Jesse Hodges, uh, who is uh, Sally's agent. And I think it's really, really well done that they introduce a character that She's is really in, good too. She first of all, really well performed, really honest, really beautiful, really wonderful, and like somebody that's in Sally's corner 
as well. Yes. And to give Sally a teammate, which is really, really important. She, and I think does wonders for Sally's development. She, th th there was an absurdity we were talking about in season one that was very frustrating about all of the actors, right? That I think whenever you add a character like Lindsay, she not only raises the stakes for these characters, but she also justifies all of their stupid shit. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Every time they do something that's out of left field that you're like, that, that, that just broke the reality of the show for me and the honesty of the show for me. She makes it honest. And a truly supportive person as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is just like literally what Sally needs. Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and tack on and say, because we haven't talked about them yet, Cristobal, yep. uh, Michael Irby's Cristobal, beautiful. I love that character. Everything he does for Noho Hank in a similar way to Lindsay. I think that he really justifies a lot of that mm. stuff. Um, Danny, what are we uh, consuming next? Uh, we're going to watch a movie that's really, really bad and neither of us have seen it. And so we're just going to figure out what happened with such a stellar cast. It's a movie called movie 43. Huh. <sighs> 